Welcome to Star Wars in 10. Now hit the intro. What round would you have? You are now tuned in to a Star Wars show, so just sit back and let it flow. Clear your mind of what you know, and let the force be the course of where we go. As we take this journey far, far away, now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, Far, Far Away family? How's everyone doing today? I hope everything is going good on your side of the galaxy. Something new finally happened out here on Outer Rim. Cad Bane got taken out by Boba Fett, which kind of sucks. I really like that guy. He had a great work ethic and always got the job done. So rest in peace, Cad Bane. You will be missed. Okay, now let's get back to Darth Bane, because in the last episode, Bane had just bought a scroll that had something to do with Darth and Dedu. And that was it. That's really, that's all that happened in the last show. But let's see if something more exciting happens in this next part. A long extinct species that ruled Korriban nearly 100,000 years ago. That didn't mean the document was that old, of course. It only meant that whoever wrote it had revered and respected the Sith culture enough to adapt their language as their own. Bane began to read the words, struggling with the archaic tongue. As Argyll had promised, he was not disappointed with the contents. The scroll was a religious proclamation declaring Darth Andedu the immortal and eternal king over the entire world of Prakith. To commemorate the momentous event, the proclamation continued, a great temple would be built in his honor. Satisfied, Bane carefully rolled the scroll up and slid it back into the protective tube. Despite being only a few paragraphs scrolled across a single sheet of parchment, it had given him what he needed. Andedu's followers had built a temple in his honor on the deep core world of Prakath. There was no doubt in Bane's mind that this was where he would find the Dark Lord's holocron. Unfortunately, he had to think of a way to acquire it that wouldn't raise Xana's suspicions. Andedu's holocron offered the promise of immortality. With it, he could live long enough to find and train a new successor. It was unlikely his current apprentice would know the significance of the holocron, but he wasn't willing to take that chance. Though she was loath to challenge him directly, if she learned that he planned to replace her, Bane had no doubt she would do everything in her power to stop him. He couldn't allow the fear of being replaced to become the catalyst that compelled Xana to finally challenge him. Fighting back simply because she knew she was about to be cast aside was nothing but a common survival instinct. His successors would need to do more than just survive if the Sith were ever to grow powerful enough to destroy the Jedi. Xana's challenge had to come from her own initiative, not as a reaction to something he did. Otherwise, it was worthless. This was the complex paradox of the master-apprentice relationship and it had put Bane into an untenable position. He couldn't send Xana after the holocron, and if he went after it himself, she would almost certainly suspect something. He rarely traveled off-world anymore. Any journey would immediately put her on her guard. She might try to follow him, or prepare some type of trap to be sprung on his return. Even though she had disappointed Bane by not challenging him, Xana was still a dangerous and formidable opponent. It was possible she might defeat him, leaving the Sith with a leader who lacked the necessary drive and ambition. Her complacency would infect the Order. Eventually, it would wither and die. He couldn't allow that to happen, which meant 
He had to find something to occupy Xana's attention while he made the long and arduous journey into the deep core. Fortunately, he had already had something in mind. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. Bane's personal study, unlike the secluded private library tucked in the back corner of the estate, was a buzzing hive of endless electronic activity. Even when unoccupied, the room was illuminated by the flickering images of HoloNet news feeds, the glow of data screens showing stock tickers from a dozen different planetary exchanges, or blinking readouts on the monitors indicating private communications filtering in from the network of informants he and Xana had assembled over the years. For all the opulence and extravagance throughout the mansion, more credits had been spent on this room than any other. With all the terminals, hollow projectors, and screens, it looked more like the communications hub of a busy starport than a den in a private residence. Yet the study was no grandiose display of wealth. Rather, it was a testament to efficiency and practicality. Every single piece of equipment had been carefully chosen to handle the staggering volume of data passing through the room. Thousands of data units every hour, all recorded and stored for later review and analysis. The study helped reinforce the illusion that he and Xana were wealthy entrepreneurs obsessively scouring news from the farthest reaches of the galaxy in search of profitable business ventures. To some degree, this was even true. Every credit spent on the study was an investment that would eventually pay off a hundredfold. Over the past decade, Bain had used the information he had gathered to grow his wealth significantly. Though for the Dark Lord, material riches were only a means to an end. He understood that power came from knowledge, and his vast fortune had allowed him to assemble the priceless collection of ancient Sith teachings he kept secured in his private library. Yet he was interested in more than just the forgotten secrets of the dark side. From the halls of the Republic Senate to the tribal councils of the most backrocket planets on the Outer Rim, the lifeblood of government was information. History was shaped by individuals who understood that information, properly exploited and controlled, could defeat any army. Bane had seen proof of this firsthand. The Brotherhood of Darkness was destroyed not by the Jedi and their army of light, but by the carefully laid plans of a single man. Ancient scrolls and manuscripts could unlock the secrets of the dark side, but to bring down the Jedi and the Republic, Bane first had to know everything about his enemies. The network of agents and go-betweens he had assembled over the years were a key part of his plan, but they weren't enough. Individuals were fallible, their reports were biased or incomplete. Whenever possible, Bane preferred to rely on pure data, plucked from the web of information that wove itself through every planet of the Republic. He needed to be aware of every detail of every plan put forth by the Senate and the Jedi Council. If he ever hoped to shape and manipulate galactic events to bring about the downfall of the Republic, he had to know what they were doing now and anticipate what they would do next. 
The complexity of his machinations required constant attention. He had to react to unexpected changes as they happened, altering his long-term plans to keep them on course. More important, he needed to seize upon unexpected opportunities as they arose, using them to their fullest advantage, like the situation on Doan. Okay, Bain thinks he found the location of Londero's holocron. Londero's followers had built him a temple on the planet called Prakis. It is one of the deep core planets, which is a problem in its own because of unstable hyperspace lanes. It was going to be hard to get there. Plus, he had to do it without Xanon knowing. He rarely traveled off-world anymore, so he couldn't just leave without raising suspicion. He needed to find something for Xana to do. This is when Dawn comes back into the picture. Some Jedi had been killed there, a perfect assignment to occupy Xana's time. Bane had gained this information through a very complex den set up in their house. It was an information super hub. It was like an investor sanctuary which fit the persona of Xana and his cover, a pair of rich and powerful entrepreneurs. Bane knew that knowledge was power, the power that he would need to topple the Republic and finally rid the galaxy of the Jedi. So he made sure a constant stream of information was coming in at all times. That's where he learned about the situation on Dome. And that's where this part came to an end. Join us tomorrow as we cover the next part. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Intent. Tune in next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on all major podcast directories. If you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Star Wars in 10 was created by Kenai Shed and is distributed by Swaycast Network. This show was produced by Pigfield Media, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Leslie Schneider. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.